I have had to change my holiday plans extensively this year. I have a week off between Christmas and New Year's, but I can't afford to travel uh, because everything is so much more expensive. And because of the higher costs at the grocery store and everywhere else I go, I had to cut back substantially on what I spend every normally in a normal year. Uh, it's going to be a tough year. Americans are spending less money this holiday season. Retail numbers fell 0.6% in November. That's the weakest retail performance in nearly a year and a sharp turnaround from the 1.3 increase in retail spending the U.S. saw in October. Last week, the Federal Reserve raised interest rates for a seventh time this year in an attempt to fight inflation, but that hasn't helped keep prices low. Inflation first spiked 18 months ago, and since then, Americans have been spending consistently, but it seems like that's beginning to change. After the break, we discuss more about inflation and the economy and what it all means for you this holiday season. I'm Jen White. You're listening to the 1A Podcast, where we get to the heart of the story. We'll be back with more in just a moment. Let's get into it. Joining us to talk about inflation and the economy is Michelle Singletary. She's a personal financial columnist at The Washington Post. She's also the author of What to Do with Your Money When Crisis Hits, a survival guide. Michelle, welcome back. Oh, thank you for having me. Also with us is Greg Ipp. He's the chief economic commentator at The Wall Street Journal. Greg, welcome back to you as well. Thanks for having me, Jen. And joining us, Alina Selyuk, a business correspondent at NPR. Alina, welcome. Hello, hello. We also want to hear from you. How has inflation affected your holiday plans? Send us an email at 1A at WAMU.org. Alina, I want to start with some of those numbers we just mentioned. Retail numbers are at their lowest point in nearly a year. What's happening? Right. I want to specify that retail spending is still growing. So we are spending more money sort of month to month. It's just um, it dipped a little bit in November. And the big thing to say about that is inflation has really eaten into the buying power. So even though holiday sales are expected to set a new record, yet another record, even compared to the massive shopping spree we all went on last year and the year before, in many cases, people are getting less by spending more. There are sort of unique differences to various products, but we have heard retailers, um, large big box stores in particular, like Walmart, talk about um, food inflation, higher prices for the groceries that people absolutely need, eating into the money that people have to spend on discretionary spending uh, and sort of the purchases that are nice to have or really nicer, fancier things. And in some cases, things that are not necessities like clothes, for example. Um, the prices have started to adjust to some extent. So we are seeing some of the item, items get cheaper. Things like furniture and appliances and clothes, to mention them again, um, are starting to come down in price. But we're seeing people scale back in in some categories because they are finding bigger bills when they're going to the grocery store. And Alina, when you say prices are coming down on things like furniture and appliances and clothes, how much of a dip are we seeing? Yeah, it, it, it varies by store, obviously. Um, we have seen prices dip for example, on clothes and furniture and appliances in the single-digit percentage um, amounts. There is a weird story in some of these things happening, um, specifically with clothes, but also furniture to some extent, which is, I'm going to say this long word, inventory. Mm -hmm. Stores 
have a lot of stuff. Um, this has been sort of a persistent problem for them all year long. It's this unusual thing happening in the background to inflation where last year, you know, we all shopped like crazy. We were buying so much stuff. Stores kept ordering more and more. And then this year they found themselves with all this stuff finally supplied, you know, those crazy messes and shipping sort of eased and all the stuff finally arrived and stores kind of looked around and realized they have too much for a moment when people are now going out. They're partying, they're hitting bars, they're going out to eat, they're not spending on clothes as much, for example. And so that sort of secondary story or the, this background story has affected a few of these categories, particularly clothes and furniture and appliances, um, where stores just have an inventory glut. So they are dropping prices, trying to get rid of some of these things that they're kind of sitting around waiting for people to buy. You remember air fryers? They were yes. really hot. <laughs> um, and suddenly, you know, there's too many of them. Well, Greg, we also mentioned that earlier this month, the Federal Reserve hiked up interest rates again for the seventh time this year. What does that mean for consumers? Well, the Federal Reserve is very worried about the inflation picture out there. They have a, a target of 2%. And inflation, it's come down a bit from 9% this summer to 7% now. That's obviously still way too high for the Federal Reserve's uh, uh, tastes. Now, you can make an optimistic case that some of the uh, pressure on prices is starting to alleviate. We're seeing used car prices come down and so on. And even so, the Fed doesn't think we're likely to get much below 4% unless they really um, pull back some of the overheated demand. And interestingly enough, even though um, retail sales are, in fact, uh, a little soft, as we were talking about just a few minutes ago, the actual level of sales is still quite high relative to where you would have expected before the pandemic. <laughs> so essentially what you had happen was this huge boom in sales while people were locked down and then coming out of those lockdowns. And we're still slowly moving our way back down from that. So what you have is an economy where inflation is still too high. The absolute level of consumer spending is still rather strong. Unemployment is extremely low. All those things say to the Federal Reserve, not only is inflation too high now, but we don't really see much evidence it's about to go down very much unless we really tighten things up and kind of slow the economy down. So yes, they've raised interest rates to around four and a quarter to four and a half percent. And they've told us they plan to raise them even further. What does that mean for consumers? Well, it probably means that um, uh, if you have a, a loan on your credit card, that will get more expensive. If you're planning on buying a house, mortgage rates are probably going to go a little higher. But Michelle, what do these retail numbers tell you about how people are spending their money now? Well, what it says is that people are still spending and spending strong because, you know, we did have such a long period where everyone was sort of locked down and people want to buy and they want to take gifts to people when you if, if anybody has been in an airport recently it's mayhem i mean it i mean you go to an airport and you think is there a recession coming because there's a lot of people traveling um and so i think it's sort of a mixed bag which is why it's hard to get a handle on all of this you see a lot of people spending but then there you know there's a lot of issues with people uh, having enough money to buy groceries and pay their rent and so there's all this flip-flopping going on and, and that's why it's hard to sort of figure out where we should go or where we should be because there's this thing going on where people are spending and some people can't afford food. Uh, and that's why I think it's hard for the Fed to figure out, you know, accurately, how much do we push this so that we push it enough to bring inflation down, but don't push it so much that we push into a, re a recession. I mean, Greg, when we talk about 
inflation and where it is right now. And again, it hit that 40-year high in June, hitting that 9% mark. What are you taking away about from the effectiveness of the Federal Reserve's moves at this point? Do you think it's working? Uh, it's, pro- it's probably working a little bit, but we've known for some time that monetary policy works with long and variable lags. So we really haven't seen it start to bite yet. We're in this unusual time where um, the inflation rate can basically be whatever you want it to be, depending on which parts of it you want to focus on. And what um, the Fed chairman, Jerome Powell, told us last week is he breaks inflation down into three pieces. Uh, first of all, or I should say four pieces. There's a food and energy uh, piece, which is heavily influenced by things that we just have no control over, like Russia's invasion of Ukraine. That was at its worst in the summertime. That seems to be coming down. Then if you look inside other stuff, there's durable goods. And as we were saying a second ago, those were really heavily elevated during the pandemic because there was so much demand from lockdown consumers and because cars got expensive because there was a shortage of semiconductors. Those two are coming down. Then there's housing. And housing kind of dances to its own strange beat because of the way it's measured. Also very expensive as people were looking for new homes because of low interest rates and people were like moving out to the countryside or whatever. But that too, we see some positive signs. The part that the Fed is focused on most of all is services, things like haircuts and meals in restaurants and so forth. And the reason it focuses so much on this part is that those prices tend to be very sticky. They don't tend to move up and down a lot. And they're very reflective of the cost of labor because labor is a very big input to the price of a haircut or a restaurant meal. And what we see there is inflation ticking along in the 4 to 5% area. So even as we see the overall inflation drop down because things like cars and gasoline are getting cheaper, it's hard to see how that underlying inflation rate drops much more below 4% unless we get relief on some of these service prices, which in part means some relief on labor costs. Alina, how are we seeing consumers shift where they're putting their money right now? Right. We are hearing from some stores, definitely that happening. Um, As I mentioned, big box stores, you know, that have a whole variety of stuff, they can make this sort of comparison. Companies like Target and Walmart um, have mentioned that, for instance, they were noticing people you know, hitting the grocery shelves, buying their necessities, and just kind of steering clear from all the other parts. They've been working really hard to lower the prices in the other parts of the store to try to get people to shop elsewhere beyond food. Um, we are, we are still seeing people really hunting for sales. This is, I mean, doesn't sound very surprising. This seems like a normal thing people would do on a during the holiday shopping season. But this this year, that's one of the biggest conversations that sort of retail economists are having, that sales are driving a massive amount of shopping. That's how you're seeing people, you know, still buying video game consoles and MacBooks and laptops, really expensive things, but they are just sort of really waiting for that moment when prices drop. Well, and, and how motivated are the big box stores to put out more of those sales if they've got all of this inventory they need to get rid of? Oh, very, very. They they have been very much focused on offering deals. Deals started this year back in October. Um, big sales, big discounts, holiday shopping discounts began rolling out because stores were trying quite intensely to get rid of these gluts where in, in the categories where they had sort of an oversupply of stuff. So, Michelle, I, I want to come to you because you're, you're the personal finance person. If you're working with a tighter budget this year, and you you need to you know make a little bit of money go a little farther than you normally would. Any advice for people? 
I would say that if you are, particularly in the service industry, if you are not quite sure about the security of your job, that you have to stay tight. You can't overspend during the holidays. You must try to shave off some money to put into savings because if we do hit um, a recession or more or or the unemployment numbers tick up, you're going to need that cash. And so, you know, you want, I, I, I don't want to, to be the miser on the call and say, you know, don't buy anybody anything. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, if you were already living paycheck to paycheck, if things are so tight um, that you're not sure how you're going to, you know, save for retirement or have that emergency fund, then the, the, the prudent thing to do is to save, save, save. In a recession, cash is king. You need that money in case you lose your job. Or maybe you don't lose your job, but you're getting less hours. You know, lots of people build their budget around overtime and those type of things that may go away if things um, get worse in 2023. And it might. If the Fed keeps pushing rates, you know, up to tame inflation, we might be in, you know, headed for some tougher times um, next year. Um, so I... You know, it's been the message I've been giving all the time. And I know it's so hard for people because you want to be generous. But I tell you, you need to save as much as you can. Well, I want to talk a little bit more about interest rates. We got this question from Kokomo Kid, who says, why is there all this talk about high interest rates? Mortgages are less than half what they were when I bought a house in 1980-81. First, I mean, just give us some comparison here when we talk about interest rates specifically around housing. Sure. Well, if you bought your house in 1981, congratulations, because you're probably one of the few people out there who does think today's mortgage rates are low. Because that was one of the few times in living memory when mortgage rates were really a lot higher. They were in double digits. But for anybody who's been out buying houses in the last 10 or 20 years, today's rates do look pretty high. I mean, just before we came into the, uh, at the tail end of the pandemic, after the Federal Reserve had raised interest rates a lot, the 30-year mortgage rate was 3%. It got as high as 7% a few weeks ago. Now it's uh, come down a little bit, but it's still over 6%. And what that means is that the monthly payment, if you set out to buy a house today, is easily 50% higher than it was just a few years ago. That's quite a shock. Uh, uh, it means that you can buy, afford a lot less house with your money. And it comes after a period when the price of a house has gone up across the country by 20 to 25%. So what we have seen in the housing market in the last year is a real painful combination for home buyers of rising house prices and now extremely high financing costs. And we are seeing the consequences in real time right now. There are cities across this country now where home buying activity has really ground to a halt. It used to be, you know, that every time somebody's house went on the market, you'd have a bidding war, 20 people bidding for it, the house would go within a week or two. You're hearing a lot fewer stories like that. Home builders are talking about a lot more cancellations, you know, that you know, two-month wait for a landscaper. It's now two days for mm. people who basically want to do your work right away. So this isn't that big a surprise, uh, Jen. Historically, the first place Federal Reserve interest rate increases start to bite is the housing market, precisely because it is so interest-sensitive. We're discussing inflation and the economy and what it all means for you. Remember to join us for future conversations. Download the 1A Vox Pop app and leave us a voicemail.
Let's get back to the conversation with this message from one of you. It seems like our country has two separate economies, the rich people's economy and everyone else's. Statistics that blend these data pools describe a reality that is real for no one. Greg, I'd love to hear your reaction to that. Um, so there's there's two aspects to that. It is definitely the case right now that um, how well you're doing the economy partly depends on where you started. Interestingly enough, historically, inflation has been hardest on people at the lower end of the income scale because they would spend more of their income on necessities like food and gasoline. And we know that those have gone up a lot right now. Today is a little bit different. It is definitely still the case that those people are facing very high bills, but they actually have also benefited most from the very tight labor markets that we're experiencing right now. If you look at wages, they tend to be going up for those the most for people in essentially entry-level jobs, you know, uh, things like um, warehousing, transportation, working in stores and so forth. And people at management level jobs actually are the ones who are seeing a bit more of a squeeze on their incomes. And you can see that in a lot of the layoff announcements that have come out recently, which mostly affect white-collar employees, whereas those same companies are still hiring frontline blue-collar employees. Meanwhile, at the top end, you're still doing extremely well because your stock portfolio, even though it's taken a hammering this year, still looks pretty good compared to a few years ago. You're sitting a lot of on a lot of equity in your home. The people who are getting squeezed are the people in the middle. They don't have that big uh, sort of um, uh, cushion of wealth, and they're not the ones getting the uh, the more um, compensatory wage increases like those at the bottom. So what you're experiencing right now is kind of like a squeeze on the middle class. Now, I want to make an important point. This is all based on somewhat backward-looking information. The story next year could be quite different. Because as we were talking about earlier, some of the prices that we're seeing in the last year, they're going to be lower next year. Gasoline, we already know, will be cheaper. So there's a very good chance that some of the negative dynamics we've experienced in the last year will not be as bad next year. To give you one simple example, wages right now are growing 5 to 6%. Well, right now, that's below the rate of inflation. Odds are, by next year, they'll be above the rate of inflation. So, so with that context, Greg, even if you are in part of the labor market where there's still a lot of demand, are your wage increases, for instance, being offset by what you're spending in the grocery store? <laughs> yes, they are to a certain extent, absolutely. So if uh, the inflation rate uh, last month was 7%, which means that even some of those people earning the stronger wage increases, they're really not at 7%. They're more like at 6 or 7%. But I think that the odds are very good that next year that inflation rate will have dropped and their wages uh, probably will not. Now, there's a big caveat to this, Jen, which is that there's a lot of concern that there's going to be a recession next year. And if there's a recession next year, that's usually bad for jobs and it's bad for wages. So it is possible that even though the inflation news might get better next year, uh, the wage news might get a little bit worse. Michelle, I'd love to hear from you because I'm curious whether you're seeing any trends in the types of advice people are coming to you for. Well, I think right now lots of people are coming to me asking me about their debt because their debt has become more expensive, particularly credit card debt. Um, I have a ministry at my church, and that's one of the number one things that we're working on, getting people to get rid of their credit card debt. They're holding on, you know, they're revolving it month to month. Credit card uh, interest rates are at the highest, and I mean, all-time high, really. You know, the average um, across all credit cards is reaching 20%. Now, some people have interest rates higher than that, but on average, 20%. So if you're carrying debt 
and you've got 20%. And as Greg said, you've got a wage increase, but but it's going to service debt. That is going to be a big problem. Um, and I think the other thing is people are asking me, should I buy a house? Should I wait? You know, am I ever going to be a homeowner? Uh, and there's lots of angst around that. You know, home prices are so high. And now, because you have to pay so much for that, you know, either your price out of the market or your mortgage payment is going to be so high that it doesn't leave you room to do the other things that we know is necessary, like saving for an emergency or for your retirement. And so on both of those, I tell people, you know, if you've got to pull back, pull back to pay off that credit card debt. And listen, there are going to be houses in the future, folks. You know, one of the reasons why prices went up is because we did have these bidding wars as if people felt like there was never going to be another opportunity for them to buy a house. And that contributed to these high home prices. Um, and also the expectation from sellers that they're going to get all this money for the house. Um, and so I just say, you know, the right time to buy a house is the right time for you, meaning that it's not going to crush your budget to get that house. If you're spending more than, say, 30, you know, I say 36 to 38 percent of your net pay on housing, it's too much. You're not going to have room to do the other things that are going to secure your future. Well, let's go back to our voicemail box. This year for Christmas, we've foregone our normal plans, uh, which are traveling because prices have gone up so much on the travel side that we decided to invite all of our family over to our place. Uh, and everybody's going to be pitching in. On the topic of holiday travel, gas prices fell 2% between October and November. Alina, they're down to where they were before Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Explain about, explain what's happening. Yeah, gas prices are actually lowest, I believe, since middle of last year, which is kind of remarkable. National average this week, uh, AAA announced, um, was just over $3 a gallon. Um, the... Supply and demand and sort of the normalization of the world markets um, has really contributed to that. As Greg had pointed out, there there are these are sort of very volatile things, food prices, gas prices um, that people don't really have much control over in this particular situation. Um, Russian oil supplies have not been as disrupted as expected. There are a variety of other sort of global markets, um, themes that went into that that are affecting gas prices going down. I did want to actually follow up on some of the credit card debt conversations because that is one massive story this holiday season. We're seeing people increasingly putting travel, you know, airline tickets and holiday gifts on credit cards. Uh, Credit card debt rose about 15%, which is the highest, the biggest jump we've seen in many years. And people are also doing this thing called buy now, pay later, which is sort of new generation loan, new generation credit card debt, where you can pay in installments for your gifts. And that is another massive story this holiday season. Well, Michelle, just contextually, if you if let's say you decide yeah I'm going to buy Christmas presents on on a credit card if you spend $100 on a gift how much could you end up paying for that long term well, if you carry it over month to month on a yearly basis, if you're looking at the average credit rate that's 20 you're going to add 20% to that. Now, if you keep adding on to that, that debt that 100 you're charging more and then you add to that, um you could look at 
what that hundred dollar gift could cost you an, an additional, you know, thirty or forty percent if you carry that debt for three years. Um, and so, you know, it, just don't do it. Don't do it if you cannot pay it off the next month. Don't put it on there. And all the credit card statements, the laws change that show you how much you will end up paying on that money if you uh, just make the minimum payments over three years. Uh, and so, look at your credit card statements. I know people don't do that. They might just make the payment and never look at the statement, but look at that box on your statement so that you, it's a reminder of how much that hundred dollars, whatever you bought is going to cost you in three years. If you only make the minimum credit card payment. Scotty emails, there are large swaths of the population living paycheck to paycheck, yet this isn't our fault. Please discuss how record profits from the largest corporations in nearly every industry are affecting prices. Greg, I'm going to come to you. Um, I want to actually step back a little bit because we've certainly heard about how a lot of people are cutting back this Christmas. There are indeed a lot of people working paycheck to paycheck. But I want to step back and look at the bigger picture here, is that for the country as a whole, this is a very good economy. Um, I look at the monthly job numbers, and they're still amazing. We're creating a quarter of a million jobs per month, which is a phenomenal rate of job growth, even in the best of times. And so uh, the unemployment rate is still 3.7%. That is still near the lowest in 50 years. So the only reason I bring this up is that uh, while focusing on the difficulty certain segments of the population uh, have, I want to look at the bigger picture, which is to say that based on the data we have in hand, it's an overall very, very healthy economy. But the other um, point Greg, I wanted one, to one make thing it, on the jobs uh, reports, sure. though, as we're seeing layoffs month to month, could those numbers not tell the, the whole story in that if someone has been laid off, but they're still on the books for that company, that they're showing up in the job numbers in ways that don't really reflect what the market looks like? It's possible that there's a lag there of a few weeks, but it's simply not a big enough lag. And the layoff numbers that we're hearing are not big enough to over affect the overall picture. We get, for example, weekly reports on how many people are applying for unemployment insurance for the first time. Those numbers are dropping. It kind of looks like there's kind of a white collar you know, recession going on for people who work in Silicon Valley or people who work on Wall Street. But that's just not the case for the vast majority of people out there. There are still 10 million jobs empty right now, employers begging for people to fill those jobs. That compares to 7 million before the pandemic. And we thought that was a strong economy. Uh, the other point I wanted to bring up is, um, you know, Michelle's been talking about the importance of not taking too much debt, uh, taking on too much debt, about keeping those things under control. Very good advice. But one of the, another big picture encouraging point is that people actually were able to build up a lot of cash reserves over the 2020, 2021 period when we went into it and become, started coming out of the pandemic. And that's for a couple of reasons. One is that there was a lot of uh, federal relief and stimulus payments, and there are some people who still have some of that in their bank accounts. Another is that they simply weren't able to spend very much money. They couldn't or didn't want to go on long trips. And so the best data we have tell us that there's still around one and a half trillion dollars of savings in people's bank accounts and uh, various other places, more than we would have expected. Now, to be sure, Sorry, those numbers are much better if you're rich than if you're lower income. But it's still, even for people at the lower end, a more constructive, um, resilient picture than a few years ago. Alina, really briefly, I do want to touch on corporate profits and how that fits into this discussion. The really unsatisfying short takeaway is that 
corporations are also facing higher costs. And so that's kind of what they've been blaming for for raising prices. Wages have gone up. um, Transportation costs have been higher. Supply chain issues have have cost a lot more. So there are sort of the the costs that they have taken on have also been part of the inflation story. And so when inflation is present, companies raise prices until people stop buying their stuff and then they start lowering those prices. Michelle, in just a sentence or two, what would you urge consumers to keep an eye on when it comes to the state of the economy? Uh, I think your job position, you know, do as best you can to sort of understand what industry you're in, whether it be impacted. Uh, and then I like what Greg say, if you can spend, go ahead and spend it if you've got the money. But if you don't, save. That's Michelle Singletary. She's a personal financial columnist at The Washington Post. She's also the author of What to Do With Your Money When Crisis Hits, a survival guide. We also heard from Greg Ipp. He's the chief economic commentator at The Wall Street Journal. And Alina Selyuk, a business correspondent at NPR. Michelle, Greg, Alina, thanks to you all. Today's producer was Arfi Getty. This program comes to you from WAMU, part of American University in Washington, distributed by NPR. I'm Jen White. Thanks for listening. We'll talk more soon. This is 1A.